Don't tell me what you want to do in the world. Tell me what problem you're trying to solve. Because when you solve a problem, you bring your whole self to the problem and your lived experience. If I told you, hey, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. You framed yourself in this box about what you can and can't do based off what society's rules are. There's many different ways to solve a problem, thinking outside the box and questioning why the box even existed. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today, I had the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Brian Buckley, a health equity-focused and systems-oriented leader in his role as Director of Health Equity Initiatives at the National Committee for Quality Assurance, NCQA which we know them as. And NCQA, Brian supports health equity strategy across multiple departments and even integrates those for better health equity concepts into existing programs and projects. Dr. Buckley also serves as adjunct assistant professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine, where he teaches, coaches, supports, and supervises graduate students at the School of Medicine and Biomedical Graduate Education. Dr. Buckley, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. You wear multiple hats, as we kind of discussed before we got started. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and what's the most exciting thing that's, that you're working on right now. Ooh, a big one. The most exciting thing I'm working on. So yeah, as you see, uh, I have many different hats. Um, I like to look at myself in kind of three different areas. One, I'm really a practitioner of the work and where I do a lot of that work with NCQA. Um, but then also very much an academic. So I like to say I'm in this pracademic space where it's like, I also love the aspect of teaching and just really understanding the literature as a whole. And that's where my Georgetown love comes. And then I just love being in community. So I do a lot of work in the community, both the national and local not-for-profits on how do we address some of the social needs and aspects of wellness. I think the most interesting project that I'm working on currently right now, I'll focus more on NCQA for this one is I'm actually working on a really cool project around um, greenhouse gas reduction um, and working with uh, health plans on how they're thinking about just greenhouse gas reduction strategies. And these can conclude both from an internal organization perspective, what they're doing, you know, remote um, working from home policies, but then also um, what they can do in contracting. So just really exploratory and seeing, okay, what are people doing? What are people not doing? And I would say more locally and personally, um, I do a lot of amazing, great work uh, for an organization uh, here in the D.C. area called Food and Friends, which I'm on the board for. I know so it well. As, as the holidays come approaching, we just had our slice of life. And so one of the, the benefits I have is actually being able to uh, volunteer and send meal uh, medically tailored meals to people with chronic health conditions across D.C. So that actually gives me quite a lot of joy right now. So I would say that is probably some of the cool things I'm working on right now. That is phenomenal. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we have so much more to talk about than I ever expected. 
<laughs> you know, sometimes I read, I'll be honest with you, full transparency here. As a podcast host, you know, you read your guest's bio and you're like, okay, I think I know what this is going to be about. I, I would imagine this is what, from a mini Oprah perspective, it's like, okay, I read the guest. Okay, this is what you got for me today. Okay, I, I guess it'll be okay. You are much more interesting than you looked on paper. Like, wow. Maybe I should put more things on paper about myself. <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, you're speaking my language. I love to talk about sustainability in ESG models. And so our team just launched, drumroll, a program called Well Team Culture, which is really focusing on how small businesses or mid-sized businesses can really focus on health and well-being and sustainability in a larger cosm of space, right? As opposed to you're an enterprise level, you know, 20,000 size company organization, which is who we normally work with around that. It's easy for them because they can charge it to a team of people and then go out and do it. Much harder for a smaller organization to focus on, you know, what's our, like you said, greenhouse gas emission or what's our carbon footprint when it comes to X and carbon footprint when it comes to travel and things like that. So I would love to delve into this a little bit because you're speaking my language because I truly believe that everyone can have a seat at the table around this component and really making a contribution to it. We all live in a city or an environment or a community or rural, whatever. And so we're all breathing the same air. When the air came down from Canada this year, we all saw the orange air, right? So we're all breathing this air. So we should all have a part in this. So unpack that for us a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing from a trend perspective when it comes to the greenhouse gases and just starting the conversation. If you're looking to start the conversation in your community or in your organization, where does it start? As I mentioned earlier, uh, my core is definitely a public health practitioner through and through. And so as you said it just right, you know, when it comes to climate change, greenhouse gases, we all have a part to play. Um, This is a joint contribution that as a global society, we actually have thought it's really about humanity as a whole. And so I always like to start with that. Um, The angle from a a health care perspective is we know that healthcare contributes to about nearly 25 to 30 percent of carbon emissions. Um, and so healthcare has a part to play in, like really thinking about, as I said, everyone has a part to play. And so how do we actually start thinking about some of these things um, when it comes to aspects about sustainability? I remember in a previous employer I had, you know, even cutting down on how we think about paper, um, how much paper we print. Uh, everyone actually had like 50 yeah sheets of paper that they had per week. Um, and you had to get like authorization to get anything more. But then even in the role of, you know, working from home, uh, which I think has definitely revolutionized the way hybrid working as a whole. And we saw this actually during the um, the COVID-19 pandemic, that greenhouse gas reduction actually went down because no one was really driving anywhere. And so there was this opportunity for us to really make an impact there as well. And being in the DMV area, anyone knows it takes a while to get to work sometimes. And when you think about all those carbon emissions, they definitely impact the work that we do. So I think as I tell people about unpacking it, I think there's so many different ways that you can can kind of tackle that. One, I think from a health equity perspective, understanding the health equity implication for climate change, because we know when it gets hot, when the globe gets hotter and you see more different changes in weather that impacts different communities differently. If you all, if you are in a community where there's lots of homelessness and we're getting, you know, either hotter than normal temperatures or colder than normal temperatures, we know that's this impacting a certain group of people. And so as we think about our communities, we have to kind of take this like broad view of like when this does happen and it will happen, 
how are we also being proactive to see the people that are going to experience the most disparities from climate? How are we making sure that we're protecting them and actually making sure that we alleviate many of the disparities that they were, the compounding disparities that they were already dealing with before, but addressing that earlier to get people out of the way? I like that. So is there, are there one or two strategies that we can, so let's put on our corporate hat, right? So we have a lot of corporate listeners, people who are responsible for large teams and those teams are, um, they're remote or they're hybrid or they're trying to figure it out. Are there one or two strategies you could recommend that they begin to tinker with to begin the either the conversation as they try to move towards it? You know, it doesn't have to be, I think that, you know, sometimes it's just about getting the conversation off the ground and letting people feel like I do have something to contribute to this. So anything you'd recommend? Yeah. Well, the first one I would say is around awareness. Just become aware. Um, have a plan. Like uh, <laughs> I'm very hesitant on specific things to do like tactic wise, because it really depends on the organization. What type of global footprint do you have? Are you across many different cities? Do you work in a big office building? Are you a small business owner? What is your contribution to it? Um, but I would say the first thing is around awareness. So I always remember this one book um, by Ella Wash, Dr. Ella Washington. It's very much more focused on the DEI space, but she calls it the necessary journey. And she kind of has these different like phases that you kind of go through as you're going on this necessary journey. I think climate and as we think about sustainability and wellness and equity, they're all the necessary journeys that we have to go through. So she talks about awareness, like how do we make sure we're aware about what the problem is and actually seeing how we can address this? How do we actually think about the assurance or accreditation or whatever you might have you to say, okay, what do I need to see about what I need to be doing? So that um, adherence is what she's really focusing on. Okay, how can I make sure I adhere to whatever standards are out there for my company size? And that's why I said it depends on who you are and what ability you have to make a difference there. But then it gets into the aspect of how do we start thinking about the tactics? What are the tactics that I need to do and move this forward? And as I said, that will differ from every single person. But then we get into the the fourth part around um, integration. How are we thinking about integrating into our corporate strategy as a whole? Because often you people look at climate change as this like kind of or even DEI, it's like this one thing you do over here, but it's it's incorporated. It impacts the communities and the workers that you have in your organization, but then also the communities that you serve directly and indirectly. Um, and then the last part is really that sustainability. How do we make sure we keep those gains going forward and keeping ourselves, keeping that momentum? And I take all these things because my background is also in change management. That's what I do at Georgetown. And so I like that framework on, I think we're on this necessary journey because when we, if we fail when it comes to addressing climate change, it hurts us all. And so I think that's where it's that necessary journey that we all need to take together. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the fact that you've made it so accessible in the conversation, right? And that you really do have to start with, like you said, something very simple like awareness of you know what is just going on for you and i think we did a lot better job of that during the pandemic where people were hyper aware <laughs> of their well-being their environment what they were doing to contribute to a problem versus not contribute to it because we were hyper aware of the importance of health and mm-hmm. what it meant to be healthy and what meant it meant to be able to sustain life and it's interesting in just a, such a short period of time, what's it been two years post 
pandemic that we're starting to lose some of that essence, very essence that I thought became so real to people during the pandemic. So I love that pack that you make it accessible, that you talk about awareness, and then you move towards, okay, if, if we start with just awareness, how are we going to keep this this ball in motion? So yeah. I, I have even another way of thinking about it too. I'm going to throw you with framework. So I told you I'm in that pandemic <laughs> phase. So I have to be that person. Wait, give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm going to keep you going here. You know, one of the, also, I think, because I, as I say, climate and the aspects of equity are so interlinked with each other. Um, Robert Livingston, he was one of my professors at uh, Harvard uh, um, Kennedy School. He talks about this press model. Um, most of the framework he uses around having the conversation about race and racism, but I think having a conversation around climate and our impact is also just very much important as well. Yeah. And his press model was interesting. It was standing for P was about the problem. What is the problem? Say, we know what the impact that climate change will have on our communities, on our organizations, so forth. The R is like, how do we think about the root causes? So this kind of like breaking down that awareness piece that I mentioned in the necessary journey, what is the root cause of why we're actually here? And what are things that I can do to actually, you know, address them? Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you get into the, the E, the empathy. Do I care enough? And I think we need to really build that sense of urgency of why people should care. And framing it to them into the language that they need to hear, whether it's around business metrics as well, around revenue, if it's around the ethics of it, whatever you might have, everyone hears things differently. Then that's when that care, we get into the actual strategies. And I think that's where you go down that necessary journey. But then we're going to get to a point where that S is going to be for that sacrifice. How do we sacrifice the old ways of doing things? And when you think about the use of coal and the fact that many of us are still driving cars like the way, like with diesel and gasoline cars. Not me. I'm an EV. I'm an EV. Okay, EV. But we have to sacrifice the old way of how we used to think about it. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid and having my stick shift car. Like, there's no real stick shift car to like an electric car. (laughs) And so I had to sacrifice, like, it was a good memory. Yeah. And it will be there in the past, but like, I can't move forward in that future. So it's that that internal change that we need to do with each other, but then yeah. um, broadcasting that within our business practices. Yeah, I, I think what resonates with me from what you said is that it's really about having a human-centric practice of business. And that's, at Aerobytes, that's something we embrace. So empathy is one of our core values, uh, along with integrity and honesty. Um, but I think that in order to be empathetic, you have to care about someone besides yourself. And sadly, you know, we don't necessarily live in a world or in a place where that's a norm or uh, it's sometimes a nice to have, unfortunately. And so how we begin that conversation is even better. But I think that's a great place to start where you just have a conversation around that. And again, during the pandemic, that's all we did. It was a lot of conversations. People were very willing to be empathetic because it was life or death. We're starting to move away from that. So getting finding a way to shift that conversation back, I think, will be highly valuable and important. So I want to shift gears a little bit because you mentioned that you wear lots and lots and lots of hats, um, right? So you're on the accreditation side with NCQA, which is amazing, but you're also an educator when it comes to the work that you do around change management, like you said, at Georgetown. Um, you do quite a bit in the, and you, you mentioned just a little bit on the DEI space. I'm so curious. How do you, as a leader, 
wear all these multiple hats, but still get back to what's most important. Because I think, and I think that's an issue that comes up with a lot of leaders, right? You're wearing lots of different hats. The more I I did a talk yesterday for a group. And one of the things I focused on was resiliency. You know, so often, you know, as you move through life, your career changes, your business changes, your organization changes, the opportunities get bigger, but so do the hurdles. So you're carrying frameworks, which are pretty heavy frameworks. Some people have one, you have I think you mentioned like four or five, right? So <laughs> my goodness, Doc, how in the world are you as a business leader, but also, you know, community leader from what the work you're doing with the medical meals, which is, I think, amazing. That's a whole another conversation. We have to have you back for that. But how do you find ways for yourself to ensure that you're not taking yourself in so many different directions that you forget, you know, the basics of what's most important? How do you do that? And then how does that bleed out into your work? It depends on how you think about the work and your own contribution and your own leadership style. And so I think if you take the 90s version of leadership, you know, we think very much about like, you know, the vertical leader, like this person is the subject matter expert in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important. You know, you need people that are hyper-focused on figuring out that one thing, Um, A lot of the ways that I kind of go with my leadership style is that I think we need a lot more horizontal leaders in the world as well. People that can see that bigger picture and can be the ones they're not necessarily doing all of the work, but they are really um, creating the connective tissue between many different people that are focused on the same thing and building awareness with each other. Um, at NCQA, and I've talked about this often with like our, our health equity work, I, I use this analogy, I talk about the Justice League, you know, and I'm like, okay, there's superheroes all across, you know, the US here. I And someone asked me, they were like, well, which superhero do you see yourself as? And I was like, well, actually, I don't see myself as the superhero. I see myself as the watchtower. I'm the area that people come together, commune, and really share best practices, share those lessons learned, and then go out and do more good work. And so I look at myself more as a catalyst than necessarily, you know, leading the charge per se. And I think that's okay. Like you need all these different cast of characters to make change happen within society and within organizations. Um, And so I think... um, I usually have like, uh, you're going to laugh about this, another way, but it's my mantra I say for myself, you know, be hungry, you know, be curious and be humble. There's a whole idea of being hungry for what are the problems that we have to solve. Like I I always tell my students, don't tell me what you want to do in the world. Tell me what problem you're trying to solve. Because when you solve a problem, you bring your whole self to the problem and your uniqueness and your lived experience. If I told you, hey, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. You framed yourself in this box about what you can and can't do based off what society's rules are. But then the aspect of being curious, there's many different ways to solve a problem. And it takes us kind of thinking outside the box and questioning why the box even existed. And I think a lot of people don't do that. And so I think we need some of those innovative ideas because that's how change happens. And then be humble. You have to do this with partnerships. Uh, You have to lead. And leadership involves bringing other people along on that vision with you um, and being able to talk different language. If you're only talking to your own kind of people, think of it like social media. If you're only friends with these group of people and you're constantly talking and showing pictures, of course, everyone's going to like it because they're all talking amongst the same ecosystem. It takes a harder thing to go in different spaces and say the same messages and build those bridges. And so I think we need more bridges. And I think that's how I keep myself stable. I don't look at myself to solve everyone's problems. I look at my 
um, really my, my superpower really being the connector. How do we connect to groups and organizations to listen, reflect, and frame with an eye towards action? Oh, I love that. That was fantastic. I hope you guys were taking notes. That was great, Doc. That was because I, I think you're right. I mean, and it has so much complexity layered into that because you're always a learner because you're humble about it. I don't have all the answers, but you're hungry to find and solve and bring new solutions. And was the third one, be honest or did I miss it? Be, be curious. Be curious. There you go. So you're you're constantly looking. So I think that's fantastic because I, I can easily see how you can become a conduit in that way. And that does... The biggest thing I took away from what you were saying is that as you go through all these different communities, have all these different conversations, collaborate in all these different ways, you never get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You're never over anxious about it because I don't have to be like I would say people when I, you know, I do a lot of speaking, I would say, you know, I, I'm not the only brilliant person in the room. There's brilliance in the collective. So yeah. let me stop talking. You start talking. Let us start sharing and then see what bubbles up from there. So I, I think that's... We all know that collective action and collective intelligence, which is really the study of it, is so much better than any one person's idea. So mm-hmm. I always like to... I, well, just not like, everybody knows that. I, I'm yeah, not like, gonna, just as you said, I don't always like say I know the answer, <laughs> but I know I have a large network of people that have pieces of the answer. And yeah. so going back to our first point around climate change, I said, we all have a part to play. So if we all have a part to play. How are we breaking down and making sure that we're all speaking the same language. And so that's why I said you need more horizontal leaders in that. Um, How do you talk to business, people that are in public health, people that are in healthcare, people that, you know, are in construction? It requires that, you know, you need that Google Translate and you need people that can be that Google Translate in the world. Um, So that's really where I kind of see my space in leading with that work. Fantastic. So as we round down this conversation, I'm so curious, you know, again, touching so many different hats and and so many different industries, what do you see coming on the horizon for 2024 that gives you hope with amounts to, you know, what's happening in DEI or what's happening in climate change or even in education? Yeah, I think what gives me hope is that we're starting to see people not seeing themselves as just like this one group of leading it, but really part of this larger coalition. And that's why I like the work I do so much with NCQA, because I always say we're advancing equity across the health continuum. We don't just work with health plans. We don't just work with healthcare delivery. We don't just work with providers. And being that unique intersection, I think it gives some ideas for how we can solve some of the other wicked problems that we have in society. And you're starting to see systems being put into place. Like, for example, even the climate and equity, you know, um, group in the White House, you know, the fact that there's actually a dedicated White House like, department saying, hey, our focus is going to work on this, like with Gina McCarthy, and I got the opportunity to work with her when I was in school, like, that's like amazing. As we talk about, you know, the, the, the administrations on having a health equity roadmap, that gives me hope. We're starting to systematize things that be on that necessary journey and like taking not just talking about something, but yeah. doing something. So that gives me hope. And I think in my tenure so far with NCQA, I've just been humbled to see the amazing passion from so many people across all the spaces I work in that are all trying to make the world a better place. So that gives me hope a lot. Well, it has been fascinating to talk to you and just hear, just, you know, just hearing to scratch the surface. I know you didn't share anywhere near 
um, the the enormity of the work that you're doing, Dr. Buckley. You're very humble, uh, but I, it's been really amazing and fascinating to hear some of the work that you have done and where your work is taking you. So continued success to you. For sure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Excellent. And thank you all for joining us today for the Optimize Workplace. Remember, I'm your host, Frandine Bishop, and it's many that small monumental moments that make the biggest difference in your life. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.